evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Last spring in March at a press conference in Brussels, Joe Biden explained that the sanctions he was imposing against Russia, while morally necessary, were also going to cause food shortages around the world, including here in the United States. It's going to be real, he said. Now, Biden said this in a very odd way. There was no hint or panic, emotions you'd expect from a leader predicting the deaths of human beings from starvation. None of that. Instead, there was pure nonchalant casualness. Biden could have been describing the weather or a trip to the dry cleaners. It's going to be real. Then Biden continued, recounting a conversation he'd had with European allies. He told us all about it. When he met with the group, Biden said, they spoke about, quote, how we could increase and disseminate more rapidly food shortages. That's what Joe Biden said verbatim. It's on tape. So here you have the president of the United States pledging to increase food shortages at a press conference. Now, that seemed like a newsworthy event, but not a single news organization in this country seemed to notice it happened, nor did the White House correct it. But others were watching, so within days, that clip wound up on social media, and Facebook flagged it immediately as, quote, false news. Now, strictly speaking, that's untrue. There's nothing false about the video. It was entirely real. No one can test that. But apparently, Facebook users were supposed to understand that Joe Biden is senile, and therefore, he's not accountable for his own words. Taking Joe Biden literally qualifies as, quote, misinformation. Now, we'll leave that whole episode for you to assess. We can't know what Joe Biden was thinking, if anything, when he uttered those words in Brussels. We can only tell you what happened afterward. Strange disasters began to beset food processors all over the United States. In April, the next month, the headquarters of one of this country's largest organic food distributors was destroyed in a fire, cause unknown. The next month, in a single week actually, two separate private plane crashes took out two separate food processing centers. One plane hit a General Mills plant in Georgia, the other plane hit a food plant in Idaho. By the way, back in February, a boiler explosion obliterated a potato processing plant in Oregon, and so on. So even people who aren't given to connecting the dots, who don't think of themselves as conspiracy nuts, began to wonder, is there something here? But no one could tell. The Biden administration had no answers and no way to get to the answers because they had no data. And that's interesting because the Biden administration tracks a lot of things, the things that it cares about, the race and ethnicity and sex life, for example, of every person in America. Do we have enough trans-Pacific Islanders playing woodwinds in major symphonies? How about gay Southeast Asians and long-haul trucking? These are the questions that concern the bean counters in the Biden administration. And yet at the same time, that same administration keeps no real records about the infrastructure of our food supply. Apparently that has never occurred to them. So honestly, we can't really know one way or the other because we don't have a baseline whether something strange is going on with food suppliers. But some days you do wonder. On Saturday, an enormous commercial egg farm in central Connecticut burned to the ground for no obvious reason. Huge fire. At least 20 fire departments responded, fought the blaze for over eight hours. More than 100,000 chickens died. Now, that's a sad story, but what's interesting is that most media companies did not consider it a story at all. Weird, considering egg prices have become an actual problem for most Americans. Egg prices are up more than 100% in many places. And yet, at that exact moment, when eggs are a concern, 100,000 chickens die in a freak fire, and the New York Times, which is right next door in a neighboring state, does not even cover the fire? What is that? Don't worry! Things like this have nothing to do with egg prices, say the media. It's just avian flu. Watch.
Egg consumption has grown over the years as many people are eating them as their main protein source. But the production has slumped because of the ongoing bird or avian flu epidemic. Over the last year, the USDA says nearly 58 million birds have been infected in the U.S., making it the deadliest outbreak in U.S. history. Unfortunately, the infected birds have to be killed, causing the egg supplies to fall and prices to surge. In some cases, stores are running out, limiting the amount people can buy. We bought eggs earlier this week here at Flies and Levine. Uh, we paid $8.99 for a dozen eggs. So if you ask the Agriculture Department, for example, or anyone in the Biden administration, to the extent they're paying attention, which is not much, they'll tell you that egg prices are high because avian flu, and that's a completely natural virus just like COVID. You go for a headshot. The price have nothing to do with chicken farms burning down. Again, not that anyone in the government tracks that kind of thing. Why would they? because nothing like that could ever happen. Settle down, QAnon! And a lot of people, particularly the national news media, people who could not identify a chicken if it didn't come with dipping sauce, are satisfied with that explanation. But we noticed that some farmers who deal with chickens every day are not convinced. Some of them, some chicken farmers, have noticed something odd. Their chickens aren't laying eggs or as many eggs. And these chickens don't appear sick with avian food. They're not dying. They're still alive. They're just not producing eggs. Now, healthy hens lay eggs on a regular basis every 24 to 26 hours. But suddenly, chicken owners all over the country, not all of them, but a lot of them, are reporting they're not getting any eggs or as many. So what's causing that? Clearly, something's causing that. Some have concluded their chicken feed may be responsible. Watch. Is the commercial feed the reason so many people's chickens have not been laying at all? This is a question that I am asking myself and I have seen all over TikTok, Facebook, everywhere. I'm talking about chickens, tons of people who are having no eggs for six, seven months. Like this is not normal. I have at least 60 hens that should be laying. I have a flock of roughly a hundred and I was getting two to three Time for eggs war, in babies. the summer all summer long. I genuinely think it's the feed, especially after seeing so many people have the same problem, switching to a local feed and it fixing itself. So why'd we just put that clip on TV? Because that chicken owner speaks for all chicken owners because she's the world's greatest expert on avian questions? Probably not. But because the people who should be keeping track of what's going on are clearly not keeping track of what's going on because they just don't care. And so instead of going to the usual sources at the Ag Department or calling the White House press office, we decided to listen to people who actually have chickens. And that one, for example, the lady you just saw says she checked, switched her chicken feed and it solved her problem. Her chickens began laying eggs once again immediately. Now, the specific brand of feed referenced in that video is called Producer's Pride. It's made by Purina. Producer's Pride, mark it down. Made by Purina. Purina also makes... Never buy them again. the cattle feed recently subject to a recall after regulators linked that product to a series of unexplained cattle deaths. It was removed from shells because there was a good chance you shouldn't be feeding it to livestock. Could that be happening again? Now, we don't know, but we should tell you, because again, no one else seems to be keeping track of this, that it's not just producers' pride that some chicken owners are worried about. Some have concerns about several other chicken feed brands made by Purina. Purina. So we reached out to the company today, because again, we're agnostic on Purina. Murderer. And they said they've looked into it, too, and their feed is not the problem. And that may absolutely be true. We don't know. Oh, what yes, we did notice, is. though, was that that explanation <clears throat> was more than enough for most media uh, Yes, it is. Trained as they are to accept corporate press releases as the final word on any given topic. Yes. 
Well, they said it's not a problem, so it's not a problem. We don't think that's the last word. Again, we can't tell you for certain either way. But we do know, and here's really the point, that America's food supply is one of those topics is worth being a little paranoid about. This is not a matter of how many Trans-Pacific Islander oboists we've got. This is a matter of Nobody cares. survival, of food, the question on which empires rise and fall. And in this yeah. specific case, eggs, poultry, we, we take and chicken, avian products are major, major sources of protein in the diets of most Americans. And you need protein to live. If you don't have enough, you get protein deficiency, and that can stunt the growth in children. So a Correct. question like this, whatever its cause, could easily flower into an actual public health crisis. And, of course, it's also potentially a national security problem. There are so few eggs right now at such high cost that smugglers are trafficking eggs across our border. Watch this. Not just across the border. Here at the busy San Ysidro border crossing in California, we're traveling fast about a new good being smuggled into the U.S. U.S. Customs and Border Protection has reported an 108% increase in seized egg products and poultry that people have tried to smuggle through U.S. ports of entry in just the last two months. Well, so we were on are we being story. a little paranoid about the American food supply? Yes, we are. And we're proud of it. And our leaders should be even more paranoid always about our food supply. Food, energy, water. Those are the three things that matter. The rest of it is noise. And of course, as always, they're ignoring what really matters. Subscribe to the Fox News YouTube channel to catch our nightly opens. Stories that are changing the world and changing your life. I'm Tucker Carlson tonight. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, you get an idea. No, no, I'm sorry. I said no. I I said no. My God. What are they trying to talk me into? What are they trying to talk me into? Playing other things. No, that was the best report that I know of. And uh, take you to war, baby. Got them all labeled. How much is each kill? Got him by name. Got him by face. So, um, you know, I was wondering, I mean, it's funny how instantaneous the uh, information flies about the feed, but I mean, you all knew Purina was one of those companies, right? I never liked to get Purina for the dogs, or, you know, derivations thereof. I'm not saying I haven't used it, I'm just saying that I, I just always feel funny about it, you know? And uh, so, you know, it's um, it's on, you know, the, the, the fight is on and um, they're just uh, uh, what they're doing is carrying out uh, Klaus Schwab's wishes and Bill Gates's wishes of, uh, you know, the food supply. Then they want to go for the feed. Then they want to go for this. But what they want to force you to do is live on synthetic food, which after they buy up all the land, they're, you know, synthetic human, synthetic injections become internally synthetic, and then synthetic food will feed you. And so they're they're trying to force this transition. 
Um, these are mass murderers. These are evil. And these are worth worthy of, you know, really, really serious black ops treatment. But I, I don't know any. <laughs> Where do you get justice? Where do you get an arrest warrant? You know, um, but I, I think someone should come up with a game with, you know, and basically, a, you know, a virtual game where you have them all labeled and all the faces and, you know, each, uh, each one you take out is worth so many points. There's no more debate now. I mean, do you want to debate some more? Would you like? No. When you see these dumbasses on Twitter, and Twitter is the dumbest place on earth. I mean, it is the stupidest place I've ever seen in my life, ever, forever. But the one thing I like about it, and the one thing that I think is, if you have the stomach for it, if you have the stomach for it, uh, the one thing that's really great there is that, first of all, nothing bars you from um, the ultimate in uh, X-rated entertainment, posting scripture, posting God's word, posting, you know, and doing things that are um, Christ-like. They can't stop you from that kind of pornography. You know, um, you know, and then when they rant and rave against Trump and then they start doing this repetition thing, you realize that a lot of these people, I guess, either, you know, establishment Republicans, news, press, you know, media, de all Democrats, uh, celebtards, really dumb. One of the, st the stupid guy of the week has got to go to, I mean, the, the dumbest people that I've seen. You know, I think we overestimate, I think we underestimated Sean Penn as being the stupidest guy out of ever out of Hollywood. There's there's Rob Reiner, who is equally as dumb, and you've got Noel, you know, Uval Noel Harari, who is who is trying to develop a like a cartoon that's in his head into a philosophy of life, and then they're acting on it, getting rid of the food supply, you know, making sure we have no hierarchy of animals and humans, because that's what he remembers when he was in his crib, and he's trying to redo it. And any idiot can see that. But he wouldn't last five minutes in, a, in some of these debate, uh, debates that I've been in in philosophy class, you know, I mean, when I was a lot younger, but he wouldn't last two minutes. He wouldn't last 30 seconds because everything he says is based on, on his own little religion of when he was a boy. And once you see that, the book Sapiens falls apart totally and everything else falls apart. They all fall apart. They're all just like dust. How do they get this power? Because assholes give them power. So when you see someone giving them props, that's an asshole. That's an asshole. That is an asshole. That is your enemy. That thing, whatever that is, that wants to give props to childhood fantasy and then force you to live like that at the, at the point of a gun or starvation should not be allowed to proceed. Interpret that any way you like. Because we allow that to proceed, we hurt ourselves. Because we don't, you know, someone asked a really great question the other day, and I, I admit this is right. No, if I couldn't pick Harari's book apart, or his philosophy, or his words, and he's on Twitter too. See, it's all on Twitter. It's right there at my fingertips. 
then I would leave him alone. You know what I mean? I'd say I would agree with Zev Zelenko. Uh, may he rest in peace. And um, just say, well, he's uh, a, you know a, uh, a worthy enemy, so I'm going to have that respect of an enemy. But he is not a worthy enemy. I disagree with Mr. Dr. Zelenko. He's not a worthy enemy. He's a child trying to live out his fantasy of, you know, being equal with animals and humans and, you know, interactive and, you know what I mean, and just no species dominant, no, no. He thinks that humans are being served. Humans were never created to be served. That's not the point, but he misses the fundamental point of why humans were created. He doesn't know, folks. He doesn't know. That alone, that alone is reason to banish him forever. But they keep it up. If you say something against uh, the ongoing open pornography that's now everywhere, that what that became and is becoming quickly the, um, you know, the uh, drag queen story hour is becoming, you know, just pornography, you know, kitty porn. It was warned. What do you think we warned about? What do you think people warned about? What it was? Child trafficking, human trafficking. Uh, United States, Joe Biden, the biggest trafficker in the history of the world, evilest guy that ever lived, and he's completely senile. Fine. But the only president I've seen that under him, he's creating starvation while people suck up to him. Yes, I want to die, Joe. I'm going to die for the cause, Joe. Look, Joe. Look, I'll take another jab, Joe, even if it kills me, because that's what I'll do for our democracy. I know some of you like it when I go on a rant like that. But it does no good. We're going to lift up Jesus, because Jesus is, that that's the only reason for, you know, existence. So I'm going to, here you go, uh, Noel, you know, Noel, you know, rat face Harari. Here you go, buddy. And, you know, he may like that. He may have been injecting rat genes into himself. No, I'm not kidding. He may become a living example of, a, uh, of what he really wants, which is a human-animal chimera, chimera. That's what he wants. And he wants that to be accepted. So that the rulers can rule, of course. <laughs> Dumbasses! You don't think we see every single little thing, including a million things you don't see? We see beyond what you could ever see. I see things you will never see ever in your life. Beyond, beyond, so far beyond, even beyond the idea that you were even created. The idea that you were created in the first place. I even understand that. I hate to say it. And I wish I didn't. Because I don't like that kind of arrogance. Where you want to play God, but you're not even up to a debate. Oh, yeah. You ever notice you don't see this guy debating anyone? Hmm? Ever notice that? You don't see the voice of the entire 
globalist movement debate anyone because he would lose in 30 seconds. He would be kneecapped instantly. That would be the end of it. He would get rolled instantaneously, not for points that he makes, but for the obvious points that he can't seem to make because he doesn't want to let go of childhood, which is my theory about him. He just uh, doesn't want to grow up. Been coddled all his life for his high IQ, which is, you know, <laughs> now very much, you know, you can have a Ferrari and you can drive at 12 miles an hour. Feel me? You can have a rocket ship and idle the motor on the, on the, on the launch pad every other Tuesday. And the fact that this guy is not stomped into the ground, at least intellectually, is also showing me that the news media collective IQ is about 80 now. I mean, they, they have no IQ. They're just dumb, mean asshole, period. You see one, slap them down. No, not literally. You touch them, oh, God, you'll have a lawsuit and you'll go to jail. No, no, I mean, slap them down. You know, just, hi, liar. Oh, you want to interview me? What do you want me to do? Be, you know, um, the face of evil because it stands against your precious slave trade that's up your ass all day long. And so you can have your little apartment and have your little, you know, soirees. GFY, baby. Huh? Yeah, don't let the uh, van door hit you on the way out. Thank you. And don't come back. Okay, okay, I'm just exercising my fictional rights. Because <laughs> a double entendre, they are fictional, but uh, I have the right to create fiction, yes? At least in my head. Okay, so the eggs. Um, the eggs. It's... um. Part of this goes to the vindictiveness of Bill Gates. I'm just going to download this for you. Because he's really mad <clears throat> that people didn't take the jab seriously or didn't take it or fought back. And he wants payback, and he thinks that by starving people, he's going to get payback. This is really a Bill Gates operation. It's more Bill Gates than, than, than you know, I mean, you know, they're all down with it, of course. All of them. Hey, Larry Fink, how you doing, baby? Yeah, baby. Hey, baby. I'm, I'm fully invested. Larry, I'm fully invested, Larry. Larry, can I have a loan? I need a loan, Larry. I need a loan. Can I get a loan, please? <clears throat> Larry, you're invited on this show anytime you like. I know Jesus haunts you. You'd love to get rid of any, even the word Jesus, just you can't stand it. <laughs> you consider yourselves above all those religionistas, you idiots out there. All those 
conspiracy theories, all those little, uh, they're all uneducated. You notice they have one thing in common. You know, those people like that listen to Alex Jones and are out there on the internet and talking and talk about Jesus. Have you noticed they're not, they're not educated? <laughs> and they're, we, they're not educated. We all have like PhDs and master's degrees. You know, and we know what's going <laughs> on. I saw this uh, video I wish I didn't see, too. <clears throat> the new state of pop music is being led by a man named Sam Smith. In his newest video, you've probably seen it, but again, on Twitter you see everything. So there it is. He's like in a gay brothel, you know, with all these guys doing this sort of gay dance of, uh, you know, wee-wee. The wee-wee thing is back. It's like wee-wee, you know. it's uh, You know, they're, they're, it shows... These guys peeing into a collective uh, jar and then pee flying across the room like, um, you know, through a hose or something, you know, coming out of a collective wee-wee uh, jar, wee-wee uh, cistern or something. You know what I mean? A wee-wee like, you know, but they're peeing in it. And then there's pee flying across the room and they're getting their mouths on it and get, getting it all over themselves. <laughs> and then they're all doing, the, you know, putting their asses up in the air, wanting to be humped by... Uh, a uh, guy that looks like he's a dickless guy, uh, Sam Smith. Anyway, they um, and they think he's. They're all upset. They what they're trying to do is upset the Christians. No, my comment was, this guy is ready for necrophilia, baby. Come on, bring it on, man. Let's see the blood or you know where's the feces? You're you're holding back on the feces now. You're robbing the audience. So I watched it, you know, um, a couple times. And, you know, I, you know, so the racist thing they got is wee wee. And I'm saying, no, man, you got to go to poop, cannibal, you know, gutting, you know, knives, something like that, you know, necrophilia, right? Or else it's not really that impressive. Sammy. Anyway, he thinks he's a big, bold guy. They think they're big, bold people breaking these norms. And all they are is falling in line with every other descending civilization back through history, through, who knows, thousands of years of decadence. Does it take that much imagination? You know, but I contend that this guy, again, it's another guy who's got like, a, you know, a beat, you know, a series of beats. It's sort of like, you know... He's 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 got these beats that are very um, catchy on the dance floor and in the disco and with the DJs, and so he you know he's used that power to boost himself. And now that he has the opportunity to spend millions on a music video, he decides to do the um, the gay brothel thing, the the gay orgy, um, you know, in concert with um, everybody else grooming children because children will be watching, and um, you know, believe me, the the kids. Let me tell you something, you stupid old... You almost had me doing it. Over the hill, dumbass. And you're too old to be doing that anyway. You look like a, like, like a, you know, like the Pillsbury Doughboy. You know, the most unsexy thing that could ever even exist. You know, there'd be no end to how much money you'd have to pay somebody just to uh, look at you. So here's the deal. The kids already know what you're all up to. 
they've got all the, you know the pornography in school and they've made the kids make their mind up they they toss it you know a, a lot of them do a lot of them do we don't have enough faith in the kids or that god will lead the kids he will and he is and they'll toss it and i'll tell you to go get get you know basically get lost you know, because everything you do is just about pushing boundaries which already were pushed and is old and is boring and is stupid and is just rebelling against something that you think is God and trying to force humanity to follow you through guilt-tripping them from not being inclusive and accepted enough. And that's just all bullshit. It's just a lie like your face is a lie. So keep on, but I would say my main criticism, you get a D-. minus, And let's see the blood, man. Either go to blood or shut the f*** up. Do not waste the world's time. Because everyone knows the world is so precious. We're all, I'll tell you what. Let's have... Um, you build your little gay altar and I'll build my altar and let's see which one God favors. But whichever one wins, the other side gets to kill you all. And you can kill us all. Oh, that was already done. <laughs> no, I just quoted from the Bible. I'm Bible-oriented. My life is the Bible. Just because I'm speaking a little truth to power doesn't mean that my life is not the Bible. I just told you, we'll have a contest. Sam Smith's altar here and Elijah's altar there. Sam Smith represents the prophets of Baal, Elijah, the prophets of God. And whichever one God favors, the other side dies. There's 300 on each side. No? Don't like that ABC? Don't like that NBC? Don't like that CBS? Oh, we'll get them now. Watch those hypocrites squirm when we put the Sam Smith video out there. <laughs> we'll show them then. You know, pee-pee drinking... Shooting pee, collective pee. It's collective pee that's shooting across the stage. I had to watch it a couple times and realize they were peeing into a cistern that was then being shot by a hose across the stage. You know, so it's like, um, you know, it must be a, a feature in the up, more upscale gay bars. Just think of this on the surface. Drinking pee-pee as a sexual modality as kink, as fetish. It doesn't really sound very sexy, does it? It, it? Because, you see, it has to have an onus on it. Who puts the onus on it? Sam Smith does. He's the one that puts the onus on it, the, the, that, you know, you should feel guilty for not accepting it, or, you know, you should cross this barrier. What barrier? It's in his head. Apparently, Sam Smith has something about peeing in his head. He's got a pee thing going on in his mind. Apparently, it's a sexual taboo to Sam Smith, and he would like to export that to you, but it didn't. the video didn't convince anybody of that. It was just his little fantasy, his childhood wonder. He really needs to evolve, and I say he's a perfect candidate for necrophilia. We need to take that scene, 
move it to a morgue, and then have him start humping the uh, the corpses and um, see where we get that and see if we get, maybe we get the paranormal cameras in there and see if we get some ghosts going, some real mayhem. But the idea of um, having these stupid men, and I know they're paid well, you know, humping the air, sticking their bottoms up the air, hoping to be the next one that uh, the, the bee lands on. <laughs> is um well let's put it this way i didn't worry about kids saying it and not at all as far as the uh the useless uh dancers and choreography there i would say that you know uh sam you're going to have to start killing them you know what I mean? Take the shotgun and blow the guy's head off, things like that, you know, and then hump, hump the neck. You know, get into some real, some real, some real pornography, why don't you? Make it look like, um, you know, a scene from Fallujah. Make it look like a scene from Afghanistan, you know? But if you want anyone to do more than just yawn, um, you're going to have to go further, buddy. And you're not going far enough. And dressing up in, you know, women's corsets and stuff is so, you know, you know, 18th century. Come on. Come on, man. You can do better than that, boy. Really, I, I can't. I'm sorry. That's, that's what I mean. I feel indignant. I feel... You know, like, okay, you want to go to war? Let's go to war. Let's stop with the pretense. And, you know, you hate. You're just filled with hate. This guy is just hate personified. So maybe, a, you know, a, a cage match uh, with you know, UFC uh, to the death. Defending your, you know, whatever. Whatever it is, you know, your God, Satan, or whatever. But, I mean, you're still backward. Complete, compared to the debauchery of Rome and, and, and uh, aristocratic France, you're nothing. You're zero. You're pathetic. You're a lightweight. You're stupid. You're ugly. The last thing I have to say about the video is this. Let's see if I can say more. It's not a... The only way you get a boner watching this thing, I mean, I hate to put it in such crass terms, is maybe, you know, if somehow... You know, certain things were fetishized in your life at some point through, I don't know, pornography, um, you know, going to gay brothels, whatever. Do it, you know, something got, you know, energized sexually. Otherwise, it just is, it's just, you know, seeing the whole thing, you know, you've seen a Gaga concert, Madonna, whatever, it's the same thing. It's, you know, boring as hell, you know, ugly Madonna, ugly Gaga, ugly women. Ugly men thinking they're going to get your attention by, you know, humping the air and playing pretend, you know, pretend coitus. It, it's, it's not going to, you know, I'm sorry, it doesn't really move the needle. I think we have bigger things to think about, like nuclear war and food shortages, rather than, you know, Sam Smith. Oh, Sam Smith, don't worry about him. He'll, 
even if he never has another, the reason he has hits is because he writes music that's catchy and people like to dance to it and they think there's a secret nod wink thing going on with, you know, um, you know, ass fucking children, pee pee, blah, 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 blah. And so they all get energized. Oh, boy, it's so exciting. <laughs> wow, nobody knows what we're talking about. Look at all the stupid masses out there. And look at us, the insiders, really having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> 300 each death to the loser tee it up and of course that'll never happen but that's the sort of thing Elijah brought on because he had prophets under his his uh, command you know we never talk about pro- prophet armies do we well, what is that when he's got all these prophets there are 300 prophets of Baal. 300. God favored Elijah's sacrifice, not Baal. And so these prophets were also warriors, you know, they're swordsmen. They weren't just lightweights, you know, they're just going, well, oh, just predict that God's going to do this if you don't straighten up. They weren't that kind of prophet. They would speak reality into existence. That's the kind of prophet they were, including the deaths of 300 prophets of Baal. They slew them all by the sword. They slew them all. They killed every last one of them because they lost. God showed favor on Elijah, not them. Any contest between God and Satan, it's it's not a contest, first of all, And they weren't slain because they lost. They were slain due to ignorance because they thought they had a God. They don't. Satan is a created being. Baal is a created being. God is a creator. There is no uh, parity between them. That's the mistake that the prophets of Baal made. To think there was some kind of a contest possible which there isn't, there wasn't, and there never will be, including at the time of Job. But if you don't think that all this debauchery wasn't going on back in the day, when they didn't have social media and all kinds of other distractions, I mean, all they think about is is debauchery all day long. And a lot of these people got so demon-possessed, they spoke 15 different languages. Jesus... You know, it showed that legion. I mean, legion is very common, uh, a demonic uh, uh, aspect. And you ask anybody in deliverance ministry, and they'll say, well, yeah, legion's a real thing. It's like, you know, a guy could be possessed with, you know, 1,500 demons or 100 or 50 or whatever. But, I mean, legion, you know, legion, a legion of, of demons, you know, or the legion. I mean, it's all, you know, the same. And... um It seems that people that have gone on in, you you know, continuing to trash themselves, continuing to hurt themselves, continuing to to be a blight on everything, continuing to be narcissistic, continuing to be fetishistic, you know, and, and, you know, you know, and then, uh, you know, thinking they're, they're, they're being heroic by breaking taboos, which they're not heroic, they're repetitive and they're boring. 
So that's why I, you know, I'm not in favor of. I, I no, I don't think Elon Musk should ban a tepid uh, Sam shithead video. You know, we'll give him kudos for you know he comes up with a catchy beat. So like, you know, there 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 there's you know a couple of male, uh, you know, singer producers out there that can come up with a, with a beat and a song and people like it. There always have been. But then, you know, when they get a little power, then they, they want to show who they really are. And um, I guess Sammy, Sammy baby, uh, Samantha, uh, Samuel, I guess he gets a lot of pleasure out of, you know, uh, collective pee. That's something that no one's mentioned. That's why I mentioned it. Well, you see three of them peeing into it like a cistern and then the pee going flying across the room through a hose. I'm just assuming that that's all collective because that's the real taboo. I think that's the thing they were trying to hide from the public in plain sight. In plain sight. Anyway. Well, I made a comment. I think that, uh, you know, he's a perfect candidate for, you know, necrophilia, you know, and cannibalism. You know, the next we'll, we'll see him you know, possibly, you know, humping corpses and then eating body parts, I would think. But, you know, stylishly, you know, he'll, he'll do it, you know, with a kind of a gay flair. Uh, well, no, you see, the entire of this debauch culture goes to um, you know, after you know, pedophilia, it goes to you know murder, and you know human sacrifice and cannibalism. It always it go. Wait, it doesn't stay in sex. And it'll go from the pee pee drink. Eventually, it gets to murder and blood drinking and body part eating. That's where it goes after where Sam is. He's got to graduate to the next level. Because this level he's been on probably since he's a teenager, and it's boring. So the next, he wants more attention, you know, it's going to have to involve, he's going to have to probably do like a horror piece. I'm not saying he has to actually kill anyone. I'm just saying it's got to be, you know, get the horror guys in there, have the blood, cut heads off. Maybe he could pee down someone's neck. You know, things like that, which you know, would probably... I mean, you could see Ozzy Osbourne doing something like that, but that would probably get... Well, that might not even do it. If he brings children in, he gets arrested. You know, people go insane. They never want to hear him again. They burn his records. They, oh, look at all those bigots. They're being non-inclusive. I think it's inevitable that, you know, I mean, the war that's... The World War Three that you're looking at now is... Between God, basically, on the one hand, represented by Russia, and pedophiles, represented by Ukraine and Biden. Biden is the king of the pedophiles. He's the pedophile king. Let's remember him as the pedo king of the the pedoxy, the the pedocracy. He's the king. And you want to mess with him, you're going to need some F-15s and a couple of nukes. But, you know, can you imagine? I, you know, 
that long. I'm going to switch subjects. I know this was vulgar. I know I'm disgusting. I know that I have a high tolerance for grossness because of, you know, being in the horror field, but that was because I've been, you know, because I was in the, the horror of Beverly Hills, you know, and then I got shuffled off to wherever. And no, I didn't have privilege then. I had incarceration. I had captivity. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's talk about white privilege. Um uh, let's not. Let's talk about black privilege. The last thing in the news, the the black on black crime of the beating and all that and how how these disingenuous lying pieces of shit start calling it like white supremacy or there's a culture of white racism that's influencing black people. That right there is a racist statement and a hateful statement. Whoopi Goldberg and others sign on to that. Um, Let me just sum up race once and for all. There is no way that you can have a discussion about reality through race. There is no way that you can learn anything through arguments on race. I have listened uh, to black guys leading, you know, conversations about race and white guys back and forth, back and forth. There is no agreement. There is no um, that there is no peace. And in talking about any aspect of race you want to talk about, you know, uh, if you don't agree with them, uh, then you're some kind of white supremacist and because you, know, you don't want to acknowledge, you know, that someone is black or whatever it is. Anyway, you can't win. Meanwhile, I say, but wait, we should be doing something about the racism and the hatred and the slavery that's going on today. No one wants to discuss it. Okay, fine. Also, you know, other people have had a hard time. There are people that have been thrown in prison under false pretenses that didn't do anything wrong. They lost their whole lives. Their whole life was ruined because of false testimony. Do they need reparations too? Or is the black thing 10 million, 100 billion times worse? What's worse? I'm telling you, folks, you can't get to the bottom of it. There's no discussion of race that can be, you know. I admit, I will never know what it's like to be a black man in America, and they will never know what it's like to be an excommunicated, uh, you know, uh, outcast out of, you know, and, and, and incarcerated, in, like in my situation. They will never, they'll never know my, my um, pain, and I will never know their pain. I will never be able to comment on it. They will never be able to comment on me because they don't know. They don't know. When you have traumas and triggers and things like that, that uh, and PTSD that makes it so that you, you can't function, or people that are targeted individuals, people that are not targeted will never know what it's like to be a targeted individual. We'll never know what it's like to be, you know, that we're this... The, the very scary, you know, gang stalking and people pop up and microphones and cameras and, and being beamed and being, you know, being, you know, cooked and being, you know, uh, uh, you, know uh, you know, used as, a, as an experiment. We have a film that we're, you know, we're in development, you know, now it's, it, it's, you know, 
every day growing a little closer to production, but it's um, it deals with the subject a little bit. It doesn't really delve into it totally, but it does deal with it. It does mention it. It does mention about the implants and about military ops that have been, um, you know, programmed and tar- people that are actually also targeted. And, you know, the targeting, I always say is, you know, they say it's supernatural. And people say, well, Z, you say it's supernatural because because you don't understand it. And, um, you know, I I did seek to study about game theory and and even nuclear game theory and all these other aspects that they use as, you know, in algorithms to, you know, to, to have outcomes. And then a lot of the targeting is not really personal. It's just that people pop up on the radar. Oh, this one should be targeted. That one should. And then a, a coalition of strangers seem to be, you know, uh, you know, amassing, at least in the old days of, of gas lighting, uh, where they would be participating in moving in, these are for higher political targets, talking to the neighbors about how awful you are, you know, or whatever it is, you know, ruining your reputation, making sure you get fired at work, um, you know, and just really trying to lead you to suicide as a uh, you know persona non grata. And you never find out why you're on the list. You never find out what they're doing to you. You, you have evidence that you're being uh, cooked, let's say, with microwaves. You've got inordinate uh, wounds. Things are happening. They can get you in the car. They get you here. You go to... I mean, I've had a situation where I flew to Maui. And uh, in the bar, they they said, uh, you know, the bartender, we're waiting for a table, so we have to wait at the bar. I think it was like Nick's Fish Market over in Wailea. And, and the guy, the bartender goes, we know who you are. You know what I mean? And I've already had outside my room in... Um, at the Wailea Hotel over there, there was like this photographer girl. Was, she was running down the hall, snapping pictures of me, uh, you know, standing at the balcony, and then disappearing into uh, one of the a suite there that was like you know, of, you know, like a you know, like a presidential suite or something, snapping pictures. You know, here you know, you want to who, who would want you you know what the hell's going on, right? And what's going on is that there's a there's another. Well, I I don't want to explain it because whatever I do explain it, people say that's they, not something they can understand. That there are parallel realities and there are people that pop in and out, and um, so therefore I could never make my statement. I could never make my. Uh, that's why I didn't want to participate in any of Dr. John Hall's groups or anything like that because. I am always denied my statement. They never, you know, one day I'll be vindicated. One day I will be vindicated. They will admit it is quantum. And once they get to that point, I, I won't even be here anymore. That's how slow they are. But you have to admit, all the targeting victims that I have talked to, none of them know how they do it how they can have this reality just pop in out of nowhere and then pop out like it just disappears. And I know, and I know the whole, I know all about it. But I'm not allowed to say it because then they get mad and then it becomes a division and then it's not worth it. It just goes to shit. So I keep my mouth shut. I put it in movies. 
I'll put it in books. I'll put it in fiction. But I can't talk about it because there are people out there. And these people, I think, are shills, too. Whenever the actual truth starts to come out, you know what I mean, about what reality is and stuff like that, what the simulation is, what, how they can just push a button and have it all going on, then push another button and, it, and it's gone. It's just like, you know, push-button effects, right? How they can do something like that. And, and, you know, I know how they do it. I mean, I know what they do because, you know, I'm not pre-programmed to deny. There's nobody that told me, oh, well, no, there were people that said, oh, that's paranoid. <laughs> you need more authority. <laughs> yes, I have had that. It sounds to me like you're being omnipotent again, Zeph, or Woody at the time. <laughs> you're being omnipotent. Or, like this conversation we've had today, you're completely insane and you're really angry and hung up. Hung up? You mean Sam Smith? You mean pee-pee? Pee-pee man? You know, that? How, how is that my problem? I'm not into the pee-pee thing. I'm not, I mean, if he wants to do it, that's fine. I, I'm not, uh, it, it doesn't bother me one way or the other. I don't have a pee-pee fetish like, like Sam Smith does. That's his pee-pee fetish, not mine, and I'm not casting judgment. I'm just saying if he thinks that's going to move the dial, he's wrong. Everybody's, you know, ooing and aahing over it. Everybody's a, a Twitter over it. Everybody is, everybody is just so butthurt over it. Everybody is just so offended by it. And I'm not one of those people. I'm not offended at all. I'm saying, you know, let me coach you. I'll have it so that, you know, when they see you, they just start throwing up on themselves. I mean, he's not going for sexual outrage, and he knows that, you know, the, the, the what is it, the storytelling hour, the drag queen story, that's not going to move the dial either. You know, he knows where he's got to go. And maybe he'll learn before he's too old. He's almost too old now, so. He's just a couple of clicks from being too old. He kind of reminds me a little bit his face uh, of, of Zelensky in, uh, you know, in the Ukraine, a little bit. You know what I mean? I could dr dress up Zelensky to look just like Sam Smith and then they could do a du duet with nukes going off and then maybe they could kill their own people. They could send... You know, tanks in to like take take a take a you know a hospital, just uh, mow it to the ground, filled with patients, <laughs> and then just have sex with the corpses. <laughs> well, isn't that what this is all about? Isn't that what we're all talking about now? You know, sex with death. Isn't that the serpent? Eating its tail? Isn't that the completion of the whole work of Earth and the feeble-minded Earth-dwellers? Don't let the feeble-minded Earth-dwellers get you. I mean, they're a thing to see, and they're very predictable, but and they're very repetitive, as you can see. Just watch Rob Reiner the celebrity, Meathead, you remember, all in the family. Just watch Rob Reiner, his tweets, and everything I've said today will be borne out to be true, and then apply it to, uh, 
to the others, you know, to, to uh, you know, there's a bunch of other, other you know, uh, has-been actors that chime in on tweeting, right? They, it's like that's their destiny. And there's some that are just pure racist, like the guy who's in Star Trek, George Tacky, he's like this racist. He calls everybody racist but himself. And that's the thing, that, that's one thing I've noticed about, you know, uh, the, the, you know, when, when, when black is accusing white of racism, oftentimes it's, you know, uh, white can never, ever be healed. Will always be a target. And black can never be healed either. Because until that, right? So, so, so it's almost sets up like the whitey over here needs to kill himself so that black over here can be happy. And it, it, so there will always be, uh, there will always be war. There will never be peace. There will always be racism. It will never get beyond that. So that's why, you know, at this point, I don't, no, I acknowledge, you know, I, I acknowledge, I, I, I drop out of the whole conversation and, you know, it's, it's, is it because I don't want to talk about it? Because I do it. My experience, I have nothing to do with any races. I'm no, I, I just have doctors. I don't have race. I have doctors. Oh, they're black and white, and you know, and they're, you know, they're, 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 they're brown, and you know, they might, they may have different, but they all wear these white coats. So to me, you know what I mean, and then and drugs. And uh, but beyond that, you know, I mean, if had I gone to a normal school and, you know, graduated and had something, you know, normal life or some kind of thing like that, I guess we could, uh, you could ask me then, you could ask me then about racism. We could have a conversation. Uh, if I was anti-black, I'd probably, you know, if I had something like that going, I probably would be upset at some of the things that happened to me when I was a child. I'll just leave it at that. Next, please. No, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, just trying to, you know, uh, you know, so many people are denied a voice. So many people, like, on this black-white thing, no no one, no... You, you know, uh, these guys get on this Twitter conversation that spaces. Great thing. I listen to that for hours. I love that open conversation that goes on there. Uh, but, you know, you get, a, you know, a white guy leading discussion on race and a black guy leading discussion on race. And the black guy ends up, like, dictating to people how they should be. And the white guy does the same thing. It, it never resolves. It'll never resolve. You know, I even think that black people, in a sense, are offended that other people are enslaved, that they're taking away from their spotlight. No, no I, I, you know, and so I'm going to stop thinking, you know. I have a very high IQ, and I, I really could think I could really help the world, but the world doesn't want to hear from me. So I'm relegated to that, to the horror world. The horror, the blah, 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 horror world. And in the horror world, 
uh, you have an incredible body of geniuses that most of them are outcasts. Not all of them. I'm not going to say who is and who isn't. Some of them are just crass business. You know, they're they're not as you know uh, as uh, refined <laughs> as the. Then there's the coddled studio crew, right? That you know the the kind of, you know the Jews run Hollywood crowd, <laughs> and they're they're brought up through the ranks, <laughs> you know, and they, they go from. Uh, Knee time to director, and you know, so that's that. That's a locked-in thing. And then there's the independents, which are scorned and shunned, but they need desperately content from independents because uh, they don't have enough content. You start looking on Netflix, uh, you start seeing movies from 2007, 2010, and you're like, "Hey, wait a second. Yes, they need content because they're losing money, but they shit all over the independents. So what do they expect?" They're dumb as shit. The board of directors of Netflix must be, you know, they must be uh, either completely dumb or willfully self-destructive on purpose. I don't, I can't figure out what it is. You know, every once they've got some good documentaries now and again, but, you know, I... uh, but entertainment, it's just entertainment. It's only entertainment. It's entertainment. I now realize why the movies became, you know, for me, when I was a child, I saw Lawrence of Arabia in the theater. It must have been 1960. I know I rode a bike and I was too young to go in there and they'd, I'd let me they'd get in there. And I remember that uh, after I saw that, that was it. I was sold. You know, only problem is I didn't have any path to to filmmaking, but I was sold. I was absolutely sold that the cinematic medium was the greatest artistic medium in the world, and it was my favorite thing. So I got a 12-inch vinyl of Maurice Jarre's score and the actual color glossy... Uh, program for Lawrence of Arabia, and I took it home, and so I'd play the record, and then thumb through the uh, the photographs in the in the glossy program. I think the program was two dollars. You know what I mean? The the album was, you know, I'd put it on, and I relive the experience of having been in the movie. I think I must have seen it about five times live, and they always would have so classy the way they ran movies in the past that there'd be like this 15-minute intermission where the screen would go black, then the lights would come up slightly, not all the way, but like halfway. And then everybody would go out and mill around, get popcorn, go to the bathroom, whatever. And then you'd hear this like ding, 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 these tones. And then people would start gathering back to their seats. And all the seats were assigned seats. Right? Oh, man, that was, that's when cinema... And even today, you can't really think of anything more powerful than cinema. That's what people do. They watch uh, Netflix, uh, you know, they watch the streaming, you know, series on Amazon and Netflix and Hulu and stuff. And, you know, it's still the number one medium. But I mean on that big screen, in that theater with those people, this sort of collective experience, 
Uh, I was fortunate enough, even though I was still maybe a bit too young, I got my, I, I had the experience anyway, even though I was maybe too young to understand some of the human complexities. I understood cruelty. I understood, um, you know, the whole, like, perversion thing they were trying to put off in the, in the Turkish prison. I understood the thing with the uh, the boys, you know, understood that sort of veiled, you know, acknowledgement of that and this and that of just cultural Middle Eastern stuff or, you know, Arabian stuff. But then the conflict with the trains and the, you know, the, the, the stuff that was, you know, the war as the war proceeded, the, the war for independence, and uh, then finally the discovery of oil, and then the death of T.E. Lawrence. And then I, I read the book, the, the I think Seven Pillars of, what was it, the, uh, the Pillar book, a long time ago, because someone was going to do that. They wanted me to adapt something from it, and it never really came to fruition, but I've you know, been through that, and I remember Robert Bolt, the uh, the writer of uh, Audits. He uh, I said, "Well, Mr. Bolt, what was the first screenplay you ever wrote?" He goes, "Lawrence of Arabia." <laughs> so there's some tidbits for you that you might not have known. Not that you're interested, but I mean, there was a big deal. You know what I mean? It was like. It proved to the world that, you know, 70 millimeter, you know, across that desert with these little tiny camels crossing the desert. And then, it, it, you know, extreme close-ups of, you know, needing water and drying up in the tortured desert. And, and then the distant shots and the, you know, the battle scenes. It proved beyond all doubt that, you know, there is nothing even close to cinema. And then it was, you know, experimented with in the French... The French had their new wave. John Cassavetes led the way to uh, uh, Cinema Verite, uh, which was basically the forerunner of, of like TikTok. You know, would be the you know candid, real, you know, or, or reality TV. I'll, I'll put it that way. But all those forms we wanted to see back then, and then all all these things have come together. And um, you know, the, the Italians who, who would dub everything. Uh, into whatever language it was going to be in. So you had 15 different languages going on, and yet it would all be dubbed into either Italian or English or whatever. Yeah, you know, it's it just all, you know, it just it was a very... I don't think it's worse now. I'm just, you know, really needing... I, 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 not that I need it, but I just feel I need a... some kind of a big screen experience. You know, somehow, I, whether it comes down from the ceiling and there's a big, goes back up again, something, you know, like that, uh, yeah, you know, where I could, uh, well, it probably won't be as good as a theater where you go and make the effort to go and other people are there. And, you know, there is something to say for sitting with a bunch of people that don't know each other and then agreeing on different scenes. I think that's, uh, you know, a uh, goes to show how, Foolish we all are in our hatred, in our you know, hating of each other. Oh, we hate each other to death. We hate each other so much it's unbelievable. We want each other dead. When, when, you, you know, when we're dead, oh, they're going to have a party. Everything's going to be 
peaches and cream. When they're dead, it's going to be peaches and cream too. You know, get rid of one, get rid of the other, and then we could all enjoy our lives and have our beautiful democracy. Our representative republic with, all, you know, with no arguing anymore. No Donald Trump. And, you know, none of that, that New York con man. Now we have Stormy Daniels in the wings. And we're going to take him down. And I'm like, isn't that Stormy Daniels 2.0? Really? Again? Is this the way it's going to be if Trump decides to run? You know, we're going to have to, like, you know, burn down, you know, you know, they, did you see the push button riot the other day where Soros pushed a button and the riot began and then he pushed it and it went off. They have like a push button, like, I want the riot to go 18 hours. Okay, here's 18. Boom. It goes 18 at exactly the 18th hour. It cuts off and gone. And then the press doesn't talk about it again. Have you noticed that? That push button riot? Well, every president has that, that ability to push the button and get a riot going, but, you know, to cover up the fact that they get caught, you know, that, that Ukraine, like, as we said from the beginning, Ukraine is, is it's a nothing burger. It's a, it's a, it's a, basically a money laundering for the Democrat Party. It's got nothing to, they've already killed all the people. There. There's no people in Ukraine anymore. They're all dead. Who they kill? Well, they kill their own people. They kill, you know, they, they kill people in churches. They kill, you know, then the Russians are bombing and they're killing people and it's a real mess. But when Trump said, when Trump said on his watch, Putin wouldn't do it, that is correct. No, I'm mad as hell at Trump about the lying about the vaccines and attacking Ron DeSantis. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, because I mean, the, the, the Joe Biden aspect of things, I don't believe, you know, it's all corrupted. It's, you know, so far gone that, you know, there's there's nothing there. There's there's no John F. Kennedy in the wings, you know. It's just all shit. And Republicans, pretty much the same thing, all shit. And so I don't belong to either one. But Trump's interesting because, and I'll tell you why, only one, one reason he's interesting to me. Uh, two. One... Uh, to bring peace, to, to to not get nuked. And two, econ- you know, fix economy, you know, fix the world economy. And well, I guess three, uh, you know, stand up to China. Okay, so that would be something that he could do that nobody else could do. Um, I would like to not have nuclear war. And I almost see a binary choice if I, if Trump doesn't, get in there and resume his presidency because it was stolen. I mean, I think we all agree on that. Uh, unless you're dishonest and corrupt and, you know, then, then you know, everything, everything is subjective then, you know, everything's subject to your opinion, right? But objectively, yes, they, the, the machine did its thing. I, I would, uh, you know, say that no nuclear war would be, I would like that. But maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe nuclear war would be just the right thing for me. Well, I'll be thinking about it. I know that uh, Ron DeSantis has no chance of winning anything outside of Florida. He's a very, very... Uh, he, he just doesn't have the... 
you know, Biden, <laughs> Biden in a comatose like corpse state, Biden in a coffin would wipe the floor with him. And that's just the way people are. People don't like, uh, you, you know, uh, standing up against the COVID rules. People, they want a lockdown. They, they like uh, they like to bring Jacinda Ardern over here and have her run the country. That's the that's the level that your your modern day left, you know, which is an embarrassing party. It's a, totally embarrassing because they're all about corruption and being rich, and they're not about the little guy as they used to be. And the Republicans used to be like they just totally limousine, you know, country club Republicans distant and all they want is war, right? And the two sides both suck. And now things are changing. I mean, now it's like the Republicans become like the party for the little guy. But, uh, you know, but, but, but then, yes, capitalism overall has not worked either. I'm not saying I'm a communist, but I can tell you this. Capitalism as we have it today is completely unfair and, and, and it's going to lift no one out of poverty. It's crony. Well, whatever it is, it doesn't work. And I'll be the first one to say the first reform that has to happen is Wall Street. And so I'm now a liberal now. I'm a liberal. And, and the black-white thing, I'm not saying it's what uh, critical race theory is the answer. I'm just saying it's not solved. It's worse. And it's not because of Obama. It's because I realize now that there is no way we can get a black man and a white man in a room and resolve it. I, I don't think we can do it. I don't know what it's... Well, God is the only mitigator that would work. If we were in there under God and praying together, as I've done many times, holding hands with people of all different backgrounds and colors, and coming together in that way is the only way I see coming together. So, we need Jesus. Well, that's back to my original purpose here. I've got on a big... Gosh, I'm, I really screwed up today, man. Well, I'm feeling better, guys. You can probably tell. Can you tell if I'm feeling better? I was on the ropes, folks. All night last night, I had, I had nightmares about... Uh, I saw where they were, you know, I had... Uh, at, at one point, I was having trouble, you know, staying awake. And... I just didn't understand where this came from. I know I was fatigued from starting a film company and getting like three films going right away, and you know, and now it's even even more pressure now. And and uh, I thought, you know, this is something a young man should do, <laughs> you know. And um, you know, and, and the guys work really hard around me, you know, doing stuff that I I could do more, but I haven't because I've had to. I've had to. Oh, well, today I, I just don't feel the fatigue and the fog like I did. But I've got really... And so I, I self-prescribe myself, uh, you know, modafinil and vodka. <laughs> no, I'm serious. And I, you know, I you know, went down the road that way with that. And, and it was like instant fix, you know, because I read, I was researching, well, what do we do with that? Uh, is it sleep apnea? Is it... Uh, you know, what, what the heck is it? You know, is it old age? Is it some kind of, you know, uh, brewing cancer or something? And I know people that have, like, had symptoms and gone and done all the blood tests and everything, and it's, it's a wild goose chase. It leads nowhere. So 
you know, I'm self-medicating and it, well, I, that's what I thought was long COVID and it's working, you know, I mean, in the short run I'm driving and I'm able to drive the RV and I'm able to, you know, go places and, you know, do things because we have to use the RV for, for, for work for, um, you know, for the film business, you know, I wish we were more domestic and I could just drive it to the, you know, various locations, but we film mainly, we're mainly in Europe, you know, we're a European company because, I mean, we have our LLC here, but we're, we're mainly Europe and that is because, uh, I don't know why it's because all our friends are in there, you know, I mean, we have good friends, good contacts, good people, and we seem to get along, you know, that's where we get along best. It's not based on any idea or that, you know, it's more profitable or less. It's just we seem to be more, uh, I feel more in line with Europeans personally than Americans, than, well, than the bulk of Americans, but a lot of Americans would be in the same boat I'm in, that, that are my friends here, would get along great over there. You know, because Europeans seem to really be you know, they, they understand my kind of satire humor. You know what I mean? And here they don't. Or they haven't. You know, I just feel a little bit more at home there. And, and I also enjoy languages. I love, you know, like watching films in Spanish and, you know, Sp- Spain Spanish, you know, Mexican Spanish, South American Spanish. I like, you know, French. I like... uh you know, various languages, you know, Italian, um, you know, Russian, Serbian, you know, different languages. So, you know, I, I, that's why, why well, I, I can't even explain why, but that's what happened. And so, you know, I, I can't just stay in my, you know, RV with the dogs at the film set. <laughs> I have to go over there and go to a, uh, you know, a hotel and uh, that's a that's a long drive. <laughs> that's a long drive over. There. That's a long drive. But but if you you know the people are lovely and you know it's more fun and uh, you know here I think what I've noticed in L.A. like for example is there's a real cynicism amongst the I'll say it you know amongst the crews amongst the people that work and they don't seem to have that when they're working union okay like a TV show or like working for Netflix or working for, you know what I mean? So the Showtime or the, you know, the big outlets. Uh, but there, but in an in independent uh, film, there, there seems to be a, you know, real, some kind of passive aggressive thing going on. I, and I'm not sure I understand it. I know I can't overcome it. I know I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to be a victim of it. You know, we, we experienced some of that on Girl Next and uh, it only helped us though. So I, I can't complain much because everything that was done or meant for harm turned out to be great. Not just good, but great. And, uh, you know, I watched a bit of it the other day. I was like, God, I'm so, I'm so happy we stuck to our guns and put that middle finger in America's face. And we we admit we did that. It was a middle finger, but but now what we're doing is going beyond that. In other words, we're we're, we're you know I've just put out a novel that explains more. You get to learn know more, but I am so needing to 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 go to the next step of Girl Deck to follow to to go to the next thing, 
And I think we've um, we've definitely done that in you know somewhat in Quantum Devil, which comes out in May. But even further in um, our new you know project, which I'll name here, called Never Ever After, which goes into even further. But still, I feel unfinished business. But I did flesh out the the novelization of Girl Next which is going to give you a totally different context of all the characters. You're going to see things. You're going to go, I knew that was what was happening. You know what I mean? So it's going to give you much more solid. And I had people say, well, that's good. The, the, I watched it twice. I still don't know what's going on. And it, it's fine. The, you're going to get, you're, but, but uh, you have to admit, you, you wouldn't watch it twice if it wasn't watchable, right? So now you're going to have more ammo. You're going to learn more. And 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 then, but there's still more to do. We got to get to the bottom of this story, you know. And and you know, and I don't want to ruin it, but you know, the character of Lori West is whether she's a clone or a real person, or uh, you know, obviously a trained assassin. I mean, you know, and obviously under mind control, and obviously having different compartments like. You know, being an abduction victim and then turning out to be something else. And I know the audience, they, a lot of them just couldn't keep up with the story. I said, well, watch it maybe four times. And then you get, then, then it's like, okay, I watched it more than once, but I want more now. It's like, exactly. Now you want more, and I'm giving you more in the new novel. And the new novel uh, is being, uh, I just saw the, Am I allowed to give out the the website? Yeah, I the link in the chat. Okay, so the link is a weird book. Weird book. You have to spell weird right. I, I always get the I and the E wrong, but weirdbook.it. It's an Italian publisher, and you'll see Girl Next there. Okay? And you get a DVD with it. Now, if you you know, right now it's in Italian, I think. Italian subtitles. Anyway, we're working on it. It's not quite available yet, but it's listed there. And it's a, uh, yes, it's published. It's not self-published. It's real published with a real publisher. And these guys love the movie. And if you love the movie, go to IMDb, please, and mark it, you know. You know, uh, they, the trolls have been like, we had some guy dump, I don't know, <laughs> I can tell because I, I look at it, I go, there, there should only, you, you know, you see, like it, within a three days, there's like 2010s, you know, 10, 10s. And when they see the 10s, they mark it down. It goes down two points. And then, you know what I mean? They've got this thing about 10, you know. So it's like some guy that knows what he's doing to trigger it. And I don't think that any, you know, that uh, that, that girl next is a 10. I think it's maybe a, you know, in terms of indie, it's maybe up there, you know, four out of five or something, but it's probably, a, you know, in the scale of all movies, I should get a six or a seven, maybe, a, you, know, or, you know, at least, you know, high five, low six, mid six, something like that, you know. And I, uh, if it was a big studio film with all the bells and whistles and A-lister actors, we could say, okay, eight or nine or whatever. But 10 is reserved for uh, Stanley Kubrick, Right. So we would never do that to ourselves. And we don't buy bots, so. 
Well, they're for sale. But, I mean, you know, one guy, you know, if you like it, you know, give it a, give it a you know, a, a, a rating. Right now, they, they sort of trashed us, but we have 80 awards there, too. We have, like, you know, um, the awards sort of overrun the any negativity. And also, we have a lot of public reviews from you know, uh, uh, newspapers, magazines, and stuff. So we have those reviewers who have weighed in, too. And they're pretty, some pretty darn good ones. You know, you'll see on the book, we have the blurbs on there. And um, we have, uh, let's see what else is going for. Well, I mean, people, you know, it's internationally has a lot of acclaim. And Girl Next has won a lot of best pictures around the world. Maybe not in the Academy Awards, but I mean a lot of the, a lot of very prestigious festivals, it's come through. You know, at the very least, it's come through with like Best Actress for Paula, uh, who played Misha, which is a really complex part. And I don't know, really proud of it. And I wouldn't change. No, we're not changing one thing on the cut because the cut is the cut. The cut goes the way it goes, and it's not. It's not like you know out there to be a crowd pleaser necessarily. It's out there to be thought-provoking. It's out there to make people think about it. So it's out there to tell a story that's not going to just go in a predictable way. Everybody screams and yells. They want things not to be out of the box and, you know, you know just rehashed old plot points. And, and so you give them that and they go, oh, what's this, you know? No, we had, uh, you know, trolls on, on trying to get us... Uh, you know, from, you know, from America. And um, it's, it, it's you know, no complaints. I mean, it's, you got to be a big boy. You know, we'll just take it, you know. But if, if it were Netflix produced, Amazon produced, or some of these that are going to be partnered with those kind of companies, you don't see that kind of behavior. People saying, oh, this is a slasher film. One, one, one reviewer goes, this is a slasher film. It's really stupid, hokey, and awful. It's like, the, the one thing it isn't is a slasher film. I mean, do you even know one of the plot points? Do you even know who the characters are? Nope, and I don't care. I'm just here to trash you. <laughs> anyway, it's okay. But yeah, mark it up. Mark it up. Don't, don't, don't. That my advice to people is don't ever buy votes or try to manipulate the system. The, the, because it's not worth it in the end. It's it's you just ah. Oh, there's a guy sitting there, you know, poor guy, and like six point four, six point five indie filmmaker, and you know, I guess the crew was angry with him, I guess, or somebody was some personal attacks, and they worked it down to like what he one point eight out of ten. He said, you know. I would at least like it back kind of where it was, if for no other reason, for the people that worked really hard on it. So that they could have a sense of pride in it and it would help their careers. And he said, you know, I, I don't care anymore. It's been like three or four years. But they ended his career. He never made another film after that. He was going to, but he decided not to after the way he was treated by the trolls. Isn't that sad? Do you 
Do you understand that it's a, a mafia town? Do you understand that any indie filmmaker, anyone, all these people are heroes, these indie guys, they raise money from their families and they're, they go fund me or they go sell stuff or they go to work doing something so they can put this thing together even on weekends. And when they finally get it ready to release, there's a whole bunch of people that get paid to trash them. Did you know that? Did you want to know who pays them? Who do you think? Oh, they make it so it isn't trade. But I mean, did you know that they offered me a job? And they wanted me to write bad reviews on indie films and boost up the, you know, Disney and, you know, and the, and the establishment and to, and to put down the indies. That job's available to you, too. It's online if you want it. I forget what the, the, the URL, though, is like, make money writing movie reviews. Go look that up. No, I kid you not. And you can get a job... <laughs> And then suddenly they give you hints. You know what I mean? There's a pattern there. The indie films are more amateurish because they don't have all the bells. You know what I mean? So easy to mark them down and just really give the kudos to the... uh... They couldn't save Chris Pratt's film. Um, It was about aliens on Amazon. Some alien force had to kill. That People trashed the hell out of it. But since then... And, of course, he makes films for Amazon. Since then, his ratings have always been eight or nine. Gee, I wonder why. You think Amazon futzes around with the numbers? You think Amazon that owns IMDb has any influence over the voting? You think Amazon might have a way of keeping their stuff boosting while trashing everybody else? You win, yeah, you figured it out. They don't want outsiders. They want you to go to film school and then get coddled and just need time and get up there on your feet and then, you know, do something and then they'll decide whether, you know, whether they're going to accept you or not. And if they do, then, you know, you're, you're all right. But if you're just going to come out from out of left field and not ask anyone's permission for you to be a director or producer or writer or whatever it is, they're going to weigh in on your ass. You you thought you were a director, you thought you were a writer, but you never got permission. Same thing happens in publishing. They'll go, go ahead and self-publish. That's the only way to be. Go ahead and self-publish. Self-publish, yeah. And then your book dies, you know. Listen. There is a way... You know, I understand that the the arts is owned and operated by, you know, you know, that club. And I understand that people are like, you know, I think of a guy like Jim Caviezel, okay? Now, he's a good example to talk about because he is a great actor. This guy's really amazing. I mean... You watch him and all he's been in. He's been in a lot of secular shows too, you know. But, you know, not many because, you know, after, you know, Mel Gibson told him after he played Jesus, you know, he's going to have some trouble you know, getting the good roles, but he deserves them. Anyway, really good actor, really good man, you know, good public guy. 
and uh, you know, and he can't get, you know, arrested. He can He's not really, you know, accepted in the Christian world either. He really is kind of an outcast. And the reason that he succeeds, at least to way he does, to, to the level he does, is because of just sheer talent that that had that been coddled by Hollywood. Uh, you would see him as the top Academy Award probably winner out there. You know, I mean, that's it. But, but uh, well, it happened to James Woods. Now, James Woods was un- undoubtedly one of my favorite all-time guys. I loved him in the, the things like Scanners, horror movies, and the Cronenberg, they video, was he in Videodrome? I don't know if he was in Videodrome. Was he in Videodrome? Uh, there's one movie I like with him versus Jeff Bridges and this, like, and I, I can't remember, it was based on like a, a pop song and they were competing. It was the, the introduction of volleyball. Beach volleyball is a, is a gambling sport in Southern California. And he was into that. Do you remember that? Uh, oh, I can almost see the title. 80s movie. And they had a little, they had like a, uh, well, anyway. Anyway, love James Woods, you know, in, in everything he's been in. And, um, you know, truly one of the great, one of the best actors, you know, out there in the entire world, in the world today. And his career was ruined because he came out as a conservative. Another guy, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, one of the, greatest living actor that he's actually had a comeback to where he won an Academy Award and all that. But there was a time when he came out as having, you know, conservative values. I wouldn't even call them conservative. I call them just having values that were not leftist or not communist. Uh, he was black. He had to do a lot of pictures in Spain in Spanish language uh, because he was exiled. He was exiled. I don't know if you, anyone remembers the James, the uh, the Gary Oldman period in, uh, you know, in Ford films. But he had to do a bunch of Ford. He did Ford films, and um, and he he did make a comeback as Churchill, and now he's kind of accepted again, and that's good. But you know, cancel culture has been going on a long time, and, and, and now then think about all the other people that didn't have that kind of fame because those guys were like got their fame, and then they said, here are my values. A lot of people are like, here's who I am, and the fame was blocked, you know. Fame meaning that that, that currency, that, that power, that gets you rehired. That's the only reason anyone should want fame is to get rehired. So you can do what you love to do, yeah, that's all. So you can improve and grow. Anyway, it's... Um, they did the same thing eventually to Orson Welles. They did the same thing to... Uh, mainly, you know, they in a sense, they did the same thing to Stanley Kubrick. He was so far ahead of everybody else that they couldn't quite touch him. He moved to England because he hated Hollywood. He didn't want to, you know... And I understand perfectly why he moved to England. I should have probably moved to England. But he moved to England, and, you know, he had one wardrobe. He had, I understand exactly... There's a lot of connections, I feel, with him. A lot of, uh, you know, um, just understanding I might have about how his thing went. And then finally, he, you know, he seemed to be a guy 
you know, he he was he he'd been to the pinnacle of filmmaking with 2001 and and everything he had done in Barry Lyndon and you know and Clockwork Orange and The Shining and whatever else he had done, he'd conquered film. I mean, more than you know, and he made it simple too. Everything Kubrick does is simple, 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 simple. He's not hiding behind effects or moving camera or you know gimmicks or anything else. It's all very very simple. And so he proves himself to be superior by his simplicity almost. But that's the way he is. He just is that way. And then when you look closer, of course, it's not that simple, right? It's like somebody doing backwards figure eights on the ice skating, and they make it look so easy. You try, you can't even go backwards two feet. You fall. So, um, but, uh, you know, leading up to Eyes Wide Shut, it just seems that he had on his conscience a great deal of guilt or of of, of 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 trepidation of concern about the world and instead of you know becoming political or whatever he uh he wanted to address it and he wanted to address obviously the club obviously you know the uh you know, to give it some context in other words here are satanists without worshiping a guy, a guy named satan and of course you know, they want to do the taboo things, right? They want to have sex at the party in front of other people. They want to um, have a victim, right? Uh, one of the girls became the sacrificial victim in the, in the place of Tom Cruise's character. They killed her. So, and, and they're the highest people of society. They're, you know, they're, 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 they're the, the Bushes and the Chaneys and the, and the Bidens, and the, they're all there, the Obamas having their masks on. So he really wanted to depict that truth about society, which, you know, you could call it society if you like. I mean, it's it's that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, he finally did that, and then he died so soon thereafter. And uh, he never got to oversee the recutting. What they cut out of the film, the 20 minutes they're missing, has to do with pedophilia. Has to do with the costume guys and the daughter and the you know there is a a pedophile thing going on. Remember the two Asian guys were having sex with a twelve year old. You know what I mean? There was the daughter of the costume guy, and so there was that aspect. And you know they wanted to clean it up uh, so that people would could think, oh, it's a conspiracy theory. It's not real. There had to be some plausible deniability that this wasn't real. It's just a work of fiction. And I believe that Steven Spielberg put his hand in there. I believe Tom Cruise had a, had a whack at it. And uh, I also believe, I mean, I hate to be conspiratorial about this, but that somewhere there is a cut, the untouched cut, and someone's got it. I'm not sure we're ever going to see it, but I, I've heard about it. You know, I've heard it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, kept in a vault somewhere. I've heard about it. Well, it would answer a lot of questions, you know. And then ultimately Kubrick was doing a, well, you know, he was doing a, a film about inner fantasy, jealousy, fantasy, lust within, you know, in a, in, within ourselves regarding our homes, our spouses, you know, who is really safe. From the inner people, from the inner man that we are, you know, from the roving eye, from from jealousy, from 
you know, lusting after someone else in relation. He was dealing with all that stuff from a very, you know, and then somehow making a link from that desires within to the exposing of the desires without, to externalizing the uh, the, the the program, externalizing the you know occultic aspect of it from the desires suppressed within, within like the Nicole Kidman character and the Tom Cruise character, and the fact that she had harbored this need to be gang banged and this and that and the other thing, and and then externalizing it into the you know as it is within, you know, suppressed uh, in the satanic world, it's exposed and, and outward, you know, all these lusts and these things. And so these taboos and these things that are kept secret are then, you know, exposed and, uh, you, you know, supposedly, at least in the eyes of a guy named Rajneesh, you know, which was just basically the same program, uh, you know, externalizing the inner sexuality into the outer, what you're most hung up on, you should do over and over again. If you're really afraid of being, you know, doing this or doing that or being gangbanged, then you should get gangbanged every day until it's no longer an issue or whatever. Uh, but he was exploring all of that that leads to this, to these, it's so genius because he, he's, he's dealing with tying the inner and the outer together and, and uh, most people don't get that when they see the movie. And, um, you know, it's... Uh, whenever I watch it, I always feel like it's incomplete. Like I've like I've gone, you know, I've left the theater and I came back and what did I miss? And, and I, you know, what I'm missing is the context. It seems that somebody cut away some of this context Um this connection they wanted to make between the inner Nicole Kidman character and the outer satanic ritual with the masks. And somehow there's a connection via Tom Cruise, who was so curious that he crashed the ritual. And, and he wanted to tie this all together, and he was. And it, 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 if you think about it in your mind, you can do the rest of the work and tie it all together and, and, and get, a, get an idea of you know humanity via the inner... Uh, fantasies of a person and the outer uh, exercise thereof in, in in ritual, and you can you can um, uh, also see that uh, you know when they accept somebody in the club they want to they want to haze them and shame them right. The hazing is very important, shaming and then having them do the thing they're afraid of in front of the group. And, and then when they when they complete that, then they're initiated into the group and then accepted by by all. And uh, it's it's sort of like a uh, that the, Satan then poses as the the as the rite of passage for people to become viable uh, in wealth and privilege. That's the best I could do today. Don't ask me to teach your film class. Uh, if I did, we'd have a lot of fun. I mean, I, you know, I'd like to have fun. I'd love to break down eyes wide shut, and just look at every frame, and just you know, you know, talk about what it what it you know means to me story wise. But um, you know, we're not allowed to understand. You know, the teachers that you get are you know teachers that have been vetted by the you know by them. So they're never going to give you the 
the real story about anything because nothing is honest about them, about these teachers or pastors or whatever. You know, they 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 have to, if they go too far in the teaching, you know, it's going to touch on those areas that, that shouldn't be touched upon, folks. See, this is why movies, you know, I used to love the big Bible movies, you know, the Ben-Hur, you know, The Robe, Victor Mature, you know, some of these, oh, yeah, yeah, The Ten Commandments, man. <laughs> Just love it. And and want more. I'd love to see it. Maybe they're working on them right now. I don't know. I'd I'd love to do one or two or three. I'd love to. Right? There's enough meat on the bones on that. You can spend your whole life doing those stories, and they're all they're all wonderful. Uh, but um, again, you know, the the pastors have been trained. You know, pastors, the the teachers have been trained to avoid the truth while thinking they're saying the truth. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't get some truth like I was watching, uh, you know, the, this one preacher man, David Jeremiah. Is it David Jeremiah? Is that his name? Okay, the old time. You know what I mean? He's been on, like, TV for a thousand years. And he was talking about when I'm weak, he's strong. When I, We're strong, we're weak, and he's strong. We might feel like we, we're weak and we can't overcome our disease, but we have to somehow, you know, understand that he's strong and, 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 and you know, therefore we're strong when we're weak. You know, that whole thing. He was doing a little word on that. And it, you know, made sense. It was, it was fine. It was perfect. Nothing wrong with it. Very, very inspiring. Um, you know, and that's fine. But then there's other things. You know, and those things are like, well, what would get you out of God's favor? What is it about Matthew eighteen six or children that gets you out of God's favor? What would get you out of God's favor in a blasphemous way? What what oath would cancel the uh, you know? Are we once saved, always saved? You know, these are the questions that you know tend to be prevaricated by, you know, meaning not settling on, you're never quite sure where you are, where you're at with God, right? And then when it becomes more, I don't know, didactic, when it becomes more um, clear, you know, that there are certain boundaries and certain things and what God favors and what he doesn't, as the person of God becomes more clear and the individual becomes more clear in relation to the person of God. Uh, And it ceases to be a kind of a mass salvational event. And it starts becoming more of a, you know, a tough, you know, hardcore walk. That's when the intelligentsia of our society, the minders, if you will, folks, the 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 uh, uh, I, I guess we call them the policemen, uh, tend to start blackballing people, 
taking away their 501c3 privilege of, you know, donating and you get to take it off your taxes and, and all that. You know, this comes to people that start landing on the truth. If any of these pastors actually hit on truth, they would be out of business. They would have taken a guy like John MacArthur and run him out of town. He can't go to the point of the slavery that, you know, we're in, especially this kind of, you know, I, I don't know, those, you know, slavery that demands that people participate in rituals. You know, I've talked to people. I said, well, do you have to do that? And, of course, if you acknowledge that it exists, they run you out of town, too. They'll kill you, even. You know, but uh, the devil wants his due. Yeah, but we're supposed to be walking with Jesus, not the devil. Yeah, but, you know, there are certain circumstances where you sort of have to go along to get along. Well, what, what if I don't want to do that? Well, then you're not allowed in the church. So do you uh, bugger your children? Do you you, uh, indoctrinate the youth to uh, participate in these things? Well, of course we do. Well, then why are you so upset about uh, Drag Queen Story Hour? Wouldn't that make you a big-time hypocrite? And also... Doesn't that mean you have no? You're not saved, right? I'm a deacon of the. No, you're not saved. You threw your child through the fire to Molech. and you condoned certain things that should not be in the church. Blasphemies. And so we could, I'm trying to be nice here, not be, you know, gross. But we could multiply this times the whole system of church, 5 through the whole thing. And we see that the entire thing is corrupted, all of it. Every square inch. So what do we do? It's up to us to form the new body then. If the old has withered into corruption, we who are, you know, still walking this walk need to come together and, and, you know, fix the other, toss the other out, you know, put the wine in the new wine and the new wine skins and move on. We're not supposed to stand there and look at the church and go, oh, they failed. We are the church. So we're not supposed to look at them and go, oh my God, look how we failed. I haven't failed. You haven't failed. So here we are, the church. Keep on moving. No problem here. Just these, you know, there was a deception. And that's why the country is doing so bad. And, you know, that's why things have gotten so bad. You think things would be this bad if we had a vibrant church? Not on your life. No way. No way. No way. No way. Somebody said the other day on Twitter, they said, you know, we, you know, if you get tired of me talking about blah, 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 why don't you pray about it? Now, what I felt like saying was, honey, if I prayed about it, you wouldn't be here. But I didn't go there because God would hate that, wouldn't he? He'd hate that, right? You know the Lord. He'd, he'd hate it. 
It'd be a nice, snarky little comment for them to say, but not for us. So I said nothing. Why don't you go ahead and pray about it if you don't like it? <laughs> oh, it's so funny. All right, folks. Ah. Oh, I'm not really very proud of myself now today. Well, I think part of my, like, detoxing and stuff is bringing up things, you know what I mean, bile from within me, you know. You know, I apologize for that. You know, a lot of times my defensiveness takes on almost an overconfident, arrogant, you know, aspect, and I'm very ashamed of that, too. Not arrogant, but it's kind of like my dad's better than your dad type of thing. You know what I mean? You know, because talking about God versus the world. And I get into that. One of the reasons I do is because, you know, sometimes people want to switch sides, you know. And uh, when they see us being so confident, isn't it nice to see someone so confident about God? I mean, that, that they just they just live it. They're just going to walk over the coals. They're just going to, you know, walk through the buzzsaw. They're just there. I love that. I love seeing that. I can't always be that guy. Sometimes fear overtakes me. Well, here comes the weather again. All right, folks. Well, yeah, two hours. Yeah, two hours, baby. I love it. Two hours. Jesus Christ. You must rescue us all, please. Please soften the hearts of the hard-headed. Please soften the hearts of those so proud in their crumbling churches to come out and be separate and not be counted with her plagues and all the judgments going against her, the whore of Babylon that runs it all. All right. <laughs> I still have the old music. Today we start working on the studio. So, uh, But I still, I got to play Kelly here. I just keep hearing that devolution going around my head over and over. I know I don't want to keep playing that over and over, but uh, um, yeah, we had some times. But you know, I got a new synth in there called "Look It Up," guys. A Waldorf Iridium, which and and I also have an old Prophet Six sequential, no keyboard on it, just the, the box. And I'm hoping to, to, to get practiced up and, you know, because I'm a keyboard man, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Keyboard. Okay, so are there any uh, requests to go out on? I, I still won't have a song by tomorrow, but hopefully soon. <laughs> okay, that, that, uh... oh, where did I put those? Where did I put those? Uh, 
Let's see if I got one. Curse of what? This? I don't know what this is. I don't think it was ever mastered. No. Turn it up because it never was mastered, right? So I think this is maybe worth saving. I don't know. What's this? Is this part of it? Well, this makes no sense. <laughs> I guess. Okay. Well, then there's this one. You're at 